from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Oh, what a way to start off the NCAA Tournament 2021. Did you miss it a year ago? You bet you did. And your bracket's all set. No way you can bust it this early on a Friday afternoon in round one of the NCAA Tournament. Remember now, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, instead of the typical Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Heck, even had some good first four games last night. Those were terrific. And then to get it going, the Gators just beat Virginia Tech 75-70 in overtime. That was a heck of a game. Trey Mann with a dagger three. Colin Castleton very good in the second half. They wouldn't win that game without him. Appleby, uh, that laceration around his forehead, if he didn't catch it, he got an elbow to the forehead uh, and, and missed that uh, second half. But what a game it was for Florida. And Mike White gets another first-round win. And then if you chalk things up, it looks like Ohio State's next for the seventh-seeded Gators. And that one will be even more difficult. Virginia Tech, though, Matthew Driscoll said yesterday, good basketball team. That's a good win for the Florida Gators, especially since they were reeling coming into the NCAA tournament a little bit. What about Florida State? We'll talk about them. They are the four seed. They'll go at it tomorrow. What about your bracket? Uh, We'll look as our show goes on. Utah State toying with a little bit of an upset. Colgate gave Arkansas a run early on, but then Arkansas pulls away and wins handily. So we'll keep you posted on the update. I'm sure you're either watching or paying attention to the scores and, of course, paying attention to your bracket. But it's early in the 2021 NCAA tournament. So one eye on that, one ear on us. Why not, right? Let's watch it all together and have some fun on a Friday in March. March Madness is back, and we know how important that is to the NCAA and to all the colleges. The handsome payout they get because of the tournament is a big one. That's big for UNF. That's big for JU. That's big for schools all across the entire country. Urban Meyer, up early. Breakfast with Urban today. Urban Meyer talking to the media about free agency in the last week, and it's been a flurry all the way since last Tuesday when they franchise tag Cam Robinson, who has now signed that tag. Good for him. Smart move by him, I believe. And now he gets a chance to parlay that maybe into a big contract if he can have a really successful 2021. But then all the moves made Monday, Tuesday, the re-signing of some players, talking about 17 transactions. And Urban Meyer talked about some of those. We've now heard from a lot of the players, a lot of the new players that are with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll even get some more of those on Monday. So uh, it's been a fun week to be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And this thing lines up to now set up for the April draft. That's where things are going to shift. Uh, you could still get a free agent signing here or there, a move made, a trade, whatever it might be. But... We're lining up for the NFL draft now. Trevor Lawrence, number one, and then what happens with the other picks the Jacksonville Jaguars will have uh, will be interesting to watch. Brent Martineau with uh, a heck of a backdrop today, folks. We got a little getaway, a little vacation with the, the kids and, and uh, Steph down at uh, her in-laws. Uh, they hang out down in southwest Florida for a few months, uh, down from Ohio. And we're doing our show with the golf in the background so if you haven't had a chance to, go check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, and just at least take in scene for a moment. I don't know what it looks like in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Heck, I don't even know if Austin Lane is back yet. Had to run and get his headphones. He's got two gigs now. He's got a morning gig, an afternoon gig. Can't 
You might have to get two sets of headphones, Austin Lane. What up, man? Uh, yeah, I probably should uh, in the long run. I should probably get a set of headphones, headphones that actually works where the earpiece isn't falling <laughs> off. Or Maybe I should buy you that. Every single... No, it's all right, man. Actually, I was uh, scouting some new headphones today, uh, so I think I found some that I like, so I'm probably going to purchase a new pair uh, eventually here. You know how I am, man. I can take a, a long time to do things, but uh, I'm going to get a new pair eventually. You know, to, to me, obviously, it's it's the NCAA tournament. Um, it just feels right. Uh, you're going to have my undivided attention for maybe 10 minutes in the show, and then I'll be watching YouTube TV the entire time. It is what it is, but I'll try to keep uh, up to date with you as much as possible. But the tra- uh, I'm sorry, the, the Urban Meyer press conference today, I'll be honest. I leave Urban Meyer press conferences now, and I think, like, huh, like that, that was pretty cool that he shared that, or huh. Yes. He, he was really transparent in that. And um, I found myself doing that now after every single one of his press conferences. I didn't think he was going to play it this way, especially his first year in the NFL. But I'll be honest, I appreciate it. Um, I think where you have a league where most coaches keep things close to the chest and don't want to disclose anything, I think Urban Meyer is actually doing the exact opposite. And he's keeping people, you know, I mean, he's not going to divulge everything, but I think he's doing a great job of keeping people in the loop and kind of making the fans a part of it, if you will. Yeah, I think it's it's worth repeating again, and you just said it, and I'm glad you were picking that up. Listen, I, I'm, I've been in the media now for 20 years. You're not t- technically this homegrown media guy, you know? And so when you see that, and, and you can feel that, and I think the fans are feeling the same thing, I think that's very valuable. And you're right. We've talked about this a long time, and, and I always say this. I appreciated this about Gus Bradley and Dave Caldwell, too. I think they were pretty transparent. They're like, come on. <laughs> I mean, how many secrets are really out there? There are some things you have to be quiet on. I get it. But there's been this long belief over time for me that it's like it's like the NFL is the CIA, man. I mean, I mean, what do they have hidden? I mean, what, what how how smart can these people really be? How hard is it really to play football? How 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 many secrets can you have about what you're going to do on a Sunday afternoon? And it it has that feel to it. College football does too as well. I think the college football clamp down is one because you can control more but two because the NCAA is a giant pain in the butt and if any little thing gets out even if you're not knowing you're breaking rules you might be breaking rules so I kind of see it in the college game the NFL game needs more transparency and I love what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing right now and I credit Urban Meyer he is bringing the fan in man he's not shying away from just certain things like hey we're going to make the Jag logo a big deal you know he's got his mantra of own it he says the 904 I think he's going to be fine with everybody He's still saying Duval. You know, he, he he's not even afraid to say, hey, we got no state income tax, and that's going to be a benefit to us. Like, he continues to bring that up. So he's bringing things up that we just haven't heard a lot of coaches in the NFL say and do, and I like it. And I think the fans like it a lot. I, I think they should like it a lot. And there, there should be a level of appreciation for that because it brings you in. It engages you. And you get an idea of what they're doing without this cloak of secrecy around it. And, and then at the end result, you're like, you know what? People don't mind secrecy, Austin. They don't mind, like, Bill Belichick not saying what is going on if you end up with Lombardi trophies. But if you're so secret and you end up 3-13 and 13 on average for a decade, oh, what the heck? You know, at least engage the fans, invite the fans in. I love what Urban Meyer's doing. I'm glad you brought that up. And once again, he's very transparent and maybe even transparent to a fault. Did you hear what he said about Josh Oliver today? Where he's like, hey, basically, I don't really know the guy very well. This one was on the personnel department. They thought this was a good move. I signed off on it, and that was it. I kind of was like, ugh, I don't know about that, man. Can we all just see him? 
No, <laughs> can can sure. we get a little more intel on him? So there might be times that he becomes so transparent that we can almost be critical of him. And the more that happens, by the way, the more he will or the less he will be transparent. But that's how transparent he's been through the first couple of weeks. Well, and that's what I can appreciate. It's the fact that he's being transparent in how he's handling this process and what is going into this process. I thought he was very telling when he basically came out and said he doesn't like how the NFL does it where he can't meet players and take them out to dinner anymore. And essentially this is going to go, you know, they, they vet the free agents um, on hearsay. On, on third parties who really have no skin in the game, I think he used that exact phrase. Uh, that that to me was really telling a lot because I mean it's not something I, I've really thought of before. But you, you have a guy in Urban Meyer who it's always been the Urban Meyer show where, wherever he's been, and now you have a guy who essentially I feel like is putting more stake uh, and more trust in the guys that he's surrounded himself with just because he can't control everything. He can't meet with these free agents right now. He has to go off of what the coordinators say. He has to go off of what the, the, what all the position coaches say and. What, Everybody around the league says. So there's a lot more of a trust factor there. So what I can appreciate about Urban Meyer right now is like we're watching him grow as a coach right before our eyes because now he's got to change his personality a little bit and he's got to change his approach of how he's always done things. He has to surrender a little control. He's still the head coach and everything, but when we evaluate talent and when he's bringing free agents in, he has to rely on the help of a lot more people set aside from his own judgment. I think that's very telling. Hey, does he have a point there, by the way? The more you think about it, he, I think he does. It's like, you're going to go spend all this money, you know, however much they just shelled out. And let's just say, hey, Austin Land, I'd love you to come down to be on ESPN 690, be my co-host. Um, but I, I, I've never met you. Uh, you seem like a cool guy. I think we could talk sports. Here's uh, $45 million over the next five years. I, I'm not doing that. I want to. I want to meet you. I want to see what you're all about. I want to get your thoughts. I want to take you to dinner. I, I you know, I want to see what your plans are long term. I want to see if you're going to fit what we're doing. I mean, he's got a really good point there. I mean, I get the free agent frenzy, and to be honest with you, I love it. Like it's it's awesome from a viewing standpoint. But internally, it's already a dangerous business. It's a dangerous side of things in the football world. It's risky. And all this money being thrown at guys, and you can't even wine and dine them a little bit, or or you can't even at least give them a phone call and have a conversation because it's so fast and furious. I don't know if there's something the NFL could do about that, but if I was an owner, I'd want to switch that around. I'm the one that's shelling out all my money for a guy that might not even fit in my program, but I have to take a chance because it's a position of need. Set aside from how you feel about the salary cap, whether you think it's real or not, that it is what it is. But money is still important in the NFL. When I say money is still important, the owners love to save some here or there. We've heard Urban Meyer use the the, the verbiage value a lot in his press conference press conferences, so that tells you something right there. And when we talk about value, how do you get value? How do you how do you evaluate a prospect and set a price tag on him? Well, it's almost like you have to give him a trial run, whether it's you sit down with him, get his mindset about what he thinks about the game of football, how he operates, how he learns, what type of person he is. Those are all things that can go into, does this player have value or not? When you can't do that, when you essentially have to ask around the league, hey, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? To me, it's madness. It's absolutely ludicrous because if you take daily life and say that you want to purchase a car or something like that, what are you gonna do with that car? You're gonna go test drive it first to make sure you like it, to make sure it works for you. That's in daily life. And the fact that we're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars for contracts, uh, and you can't even really meet the guy in person before you sign him, 
yeah, that's that's probably not right, and that, that probably should change. Now, with COVID-19, obviously, maybe it's, it's a different thing right now with the pandemic, but I'm saying once that goes away and we're back to normal, the NFL's got to take a look at themselves and say, we got to change something around here, because we were talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars with these transactions, and they can't even talk to these guys in person. How do you even judge the value on somebody if you can't talk to them in person? Well, I think you just brought up a good point. Your car analogy, too, is that it's not just that the it's not just about the teams. It's what about the guy signing, you know? Now, the guy signing probably has a little more intel, probably has an agent that has a client in the locker room or, you know, whatever it might be. Might already know some of the coaches. I mean, if you look what happened here, there's a lot of ties of who the Jags brought in with players, with uh, coaches they have, from Joe Cullen uh, to Charlie Strong, who knew, like, Malcolm Brown from the Texas days. You know, there seems to be a little bit of a history with a lot of these players. Not all, but a lot of them. But if you take what... You know, what we both just said, it's like, buyer beware, and can I take my time and wine and dine this guy, or at least have like an hour on the phone with him if we really want to uh, make a pitch? And then you take it from the player's side and be like, hey, I want to hear from that coach, right? I, I want to hear from what he has to say, what he's all about. Am I going to be a fit here? Am I going to like this? Because really, at the end of the day, what's the difference between $45 million and $42 million? If I'm ha- If I'm unhappy, I'll take the 42. So uh, it's it's really an interesting thing. I mean, again, I think we all love it. It's it's kind of awesome what went on Monday, Tuesday, and even a little bit into Wednesday. But from a player perspective, and especially the team perspective, I wouldn't be surprised with the dollars so high now, and they've really gone up over the last decade or so, that there is some kind of change to get a feel for a player. Now that might also mean you lose out. Like the Jags might have not benefit in a situation like this. The Jags benefit in a situation where they have a lot of money. You know, so they've got a bunch of an advantage because they can throw more money at a player, and that's what's going to talk the loudest. If you listen to these players talk over the last couple of days, they 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 are not saying, "Wow, yeah, man, I really like what he had to say. I really like what Irvine said. I really like uh, to be a part of this thing." No, they, they're talking about how much they're going to have in their checking account for the most part. That's priority number one. That's what got their attention. And even Urban Meyer said that he's like, "I didn't have a chance to sell these guys. I mean, I'd love to, like you do in recruiting, but." I couldn't. It was basically, here's the value, here's what we got to offer, take it or leave it, boom, move on to the next guy if he turns it down. Yeah, well, in the whole selling thing, like eventually Urban Meyer can get to that point, though. Let's assume real quick that the rules don't change um, and you can't wine and dine these players and it, and it goes with the status quo and it's the same thing uh, every single year, year in and year out. If you start building up a tradition and a winning culture, well, that's selling it. Like That's a selling point right there. We saw that with the Patriots. Like, you had John New Smith and Hunter Henry go to the same team that doesn't necessarily have a quarterback right now. I mean, if you want to call Cam Newton the starting quarterback, so be it. But how confident are you in that? But at the same time, they understand what the Patriots organization is. They understand what Bill Belichick is. It's a winning tradition. That's what Urban Meyer's trying to do right now. That can be a selling point. Yes, money's always going to be king for the most part. Now, there's always the rare circumstances, um, you know, and, and guys in that locker room play for different reasons. But if you build a winning tradition and a winning culture, now that's going to be another selling point as well that Urban Meyer doesn't have to worry about because the selling point will speak for itself. That's a really good point. I mean, that does happen in college, by the way. You get to go out and recruit people, but the Gator helmet, you know, the logo there, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, those schools, they recruit themselves to some degree. doesn't matter who's coaching there. It's like, hey, you got 100000 in the swamp. I want to go play there in the SEC and have a chance to win a championship, you know. I mean, that sells itself. So what you're saying is right. I, th- I think your example of the New England Patriots is a real good one. 
because they have kind of recruited themselves now. I mean, the Patriots, even without Tom Brady there, the Patriots organization is known to be a winning organization over the last two decades. People or free agents that are 24, 25, 27 years old, they have no idea when the Patriots were terrible. All they know from their childhood, from their teenage years, from their college years, and now in their pro careers are are a New England Patriots organization that has been probably the best in sports over the last two decades, and they want to be a part of something like that, and especially if the money's there. So that's a really good point. I I think all this culture stuff that Urban Meyer talks about, all you know how he mentions the emblem, the logo, like he is going to try to sell it like that for the long term. Uh, It might that's not going to happen overnight. Uh, the Jags still have a stigma to them until they start winning. But when you add Trevor Lawrence, you add Urban Meyer, you add new facilities, and hopefully you add some W's, you're talking three years down the road, Austin, where this could be a very appealing place. And by the way, he's going to continue to throw out that no state income tax when it comes to free agents. Yeah, absolutely. I think that... You know, once you establish those facilities and the finest of the finest, like that's going to be the next point. And then when you have that, then you start, you know, hopefully getting the talent to to win on the field. And then when you win on the field, it's going to all take care of itself. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen over one or two seasons, I think. It's going to be a slow burn and a slow build. But if you get to that point where everything's a well-oiled machine and you're winning consistently year in and year out, that's going to be the biggest difference in recruiting, quote-unquote, and bringing players in. Brent Martineau down here in uh, southwest Florida, also laying back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Your checkup on your bracket, the NCAA tournament. The Florida Gators kicked off the tournament with a big win, 75-70 in overtime. Excellent game. If we have more games like that in this tournament, it's going to be one heck of a few weeks for March Madness. Illinois crushes Drexel, 78-49. The Dragons are out, despite a pretty good nickname. Arkansas comes back and beats Colgate. Colgate was up 11, I think, early in that game, and then Arkansas really put it on them in the second half. Ohio State is leading 21-15, to 15, uh, obviously halfway through the first. And Texas Tech up by 12 now over Utah State. Texas Tech quietly has built a very nice program, made that run a couple years ago, and now they're up by a dozen over Utah State. And they've trailed for much of that game, so they just made a run as well. I'm kind of rooting for that upset, Austin. I got Utah State. That's my first upset pick of the tournament. Is that in the mascot bracket or the regular bracket? That's the regular bracket. All right, good. Because I, I had somebody text me saying, what the heck do you got Texas Tech and USC in the final? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, it's on Facebook. So I guess we posted our, our mascot um we probably did both, and people that might not have paid attention. But yeah, in, in my mascot bracket, by the way, people are like, hey, do you know the Mountaineer is carrying a gun? I was like, yeah, that was Austin. Austin went with the deathmatch mascot bracket. Yeah. I went with the cool mascot bracket. Yeah. Uh, cool name, and, and that was it. Mine was not a death march, okay? So, well, um, I mean, that's, that's a little aggressive. Just a cage match. Just, just, just It's a cage fight. You have to put a death march on it and make it yeah, that aggressive. It's, it's animalistic. Most it's Thunderdome. Yeah, it's Thunderdome. <laughs> hey, uh, we talk more uh, football. The Sean Watson situation is getting more and more bizarre and maybe more and more troublesome. We'll have a comment or two on that. We hear from some of the Jags free agents, more from Urban Meyer, and we keep you updated on your bracket. Happy Friday, everybody. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. I had braces. I still have my permanent retainer in. It's been knocked out twice. Brett Martin. So, so it's twice. not once, stuck in there. <laughs> once, uh, no, it's not stuck so in there. Not. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I expect them to look really big. I used to say that about the SEC. I want that 
SEC in the college football, the defensive lines look different. Uh, so if you look at the size of the guys, uh, we, Joe Cullen is a D-line guy, and so is Tosh LaFoy, obviously. Uh, there's a reason why I hired those two coaches, too. That's just, I've always had excellent defensive line coaches, and, and so I listen to their expertise, but I also got a vision of what it's supposed to look like. And once again, uh, don't put the cart before the horse and expect, I, I know what the expectation is, and that better be, uh, I expect our defensive line to be uh, one of the strengths of our team. Well, that is Urban Meyer earlier today, and I'm talking early. Breakfast with Urban Meyer about 8 o'clock this morning when he talked to the media about free agency and what they've been doing the last few days. And uh, I really think there's a pivot now to start really pushing ahead toward the draft. They've already been doing some of that, but I think the attention now is really toward the draft. We'll see if they make a move at tight end or something to get everybody excited. I just don't know if there's an exciting move left to make in that regard. Uh, maybe the Earth's trade if there were something to go down there, but uh, I, I just don't see anything happening that will get you too excited. And so I really feel like this is now a pivot in the next week and then going forward for the next month to the uh, NFL draft. And we already know what's going on with Trevor Lawrence, we feel like. Uh, and again, he was on Good Morning Football. Urban Meyer was. Nothing to uh, take away from any belief that uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars will take Trevor Lawrence. Brent Marno, Austin Lane here on a Friday. Hope you're doing well. We'll catch you up on the brackets and keep you posted on the games going on throughout the day. Florida Gators got a big win in overtime over Virginia Tech. Another first-round win for Mike White and the Gators 75-70. to Trey Mann with a big dagger three-pointer to help win it and clinch it for the Gators. Austin, uh, you know, you think about one thought on the draft and Trevor Lawrence. I, I see this sometimes. Every time Urban talks about Trevor, and he did so on Good Morning Football, people are like, ah, this is for all you folks that uh, think uh, Zach Wilson's coming to, to Jacksonville. Honestly, I don't find anybody that's saying Trevor Lawrence is not coming to Jacksonville. Like, is that out there, and I'm just not looking in the right spots? Are, are there people I, – I understand, like, Chris Sims was said, hey, I, I rank uh, Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Okay, got attention with that. And he also had some goofy – quarterback rankings along the way that, that like I think it was Kellen Mond or something be ahead of some of the others but I, I can't find anything that says Zach Wilson is coming to Jacksonville has anybody even mocked that? <laughs> no I mean I, I honestly don't think so because they would lose their uh, credentials real fast in my opinion I just think that when you have guys like you know Sims I think you know Matt Miller might have said something as well in terms of Zach Wilson maybe being the better quarterback like that's fine you can have the opinion that Zach Wilson's a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. Now, you know how I feel about it, and I think I share the sentiments of a lot of uh, Jaguars fans, but I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback, hands down. Enough said. But when you do the mock draft, though, you have, you're not doing the mock drafts of who you think the team should take. You're doing the mock draft of where I think this team needs this guy or this is who they're probably going to take. It's not necessarily your opinion. It's your opinion of who the team is going to take. And if you're a quote-unquote draft expert – and you can sit here wholeheartedly and say that Urban Meyer is going to come out of retirement, he's going to coach the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's going to get off of this deal and everything like that and turn everything around, and he's going to take Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence, then you're absolutely crazy. That No one's going to subscribe to that. No one's going to give you any love. Yeah, you're going to get the all the hate and maybe get some likes here or there, but it's not going to be sustainable. So that's why you don't see Zach Wilson getting mock number one, because once again, you got to take personal opinion out of it, and you got to think about what the team's going to do and what's best for the team. What's best for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's obvious. It's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I, I was having this conversation last night. I, 
emceed an event. And uh, by the way, an event, first time I'd emceed anything in like over a year, which was wild to see actually like people at an event. But uh, I was somebody asked me, like, well, is there any chance like they don't take Trevor Lawrence? And what if they think that he's not the best guy? Well, no, there is no chance, in my opinion. And secondly, you, this is not the time to be the smartest guy in the room. You know, not when everybody believes that this guy, hands down, is the number one overall pick. I know some people are going back and forth on generational and how great he'll be, all that stuff. That's fair. You can do that. But I don't think there's much back and forth, I guess, is the point of this conversation on Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick. And just run the card up there and forget it. Set it and forget it. I think the Jags have basically done that. They're doing that. Listen, this is sports. In eight years, we might find out that Zach Wilson or maybe it's even, shoot, Kyle Trask or Mac Jones or Trey Lance that ends up tr- having a better career than Trevor Lawrence. We hope not, but that could happen. I mean, that happens in sports all the time. The bottom line is you don't want to be wrong on this one. <laughs> You're running up that card with Trevor Lawrence. You, you take the easy play here, and you hope for the best, and you hope he's as good as you think he is and everybody thinks he is. It's as simple as that. We'll talk a lot more Trevor Lawrence over the next month. Urban Meyer talking about his his uh, front coming out of the break there. He loves this defensive line. I didn't know he would be this in love with his defensive line until I heard him this morning, Austin. He really likes what they did. Uh, do you like what they did as much as he likes what they did? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I talked about a little bit on yesterday. They, they've added size. You know, they've added size and they've added depth. Um, those are two things that you need when you tr- want to st- uh, try to stop the run, and that's what this team needs to do in this division. So, yeah, I absolutely uh, love it. I will see how if they address it anymore in the draft. I'm not looking for a first-round pick anymore in Christian Barmore. If they get him, so be it. But it's not like I'm pounding the table now for an interior defensive lineman early on in the draft. I like the experience. I like the the, the, the type of guys who seem to be tough-nosed, physical football players, um, and I, I like the fact that, you know, it's going to transition into a 3-4 defense, which I've been calling for for a long time now. Yeah, and I mean, that is so obvious based on what they did, and and the beef is really where it's at when, when you talk about this front. You know, you're not talking about multiple Pro Bowl guys. I mean, you're not talking about stars in the league. You're not talking about the biggest of name players. Now, there's investment in some of these young guys that they think could be very good. That's part of free agency. That's part of what they've done, but they like the combination of size and athleticism on that front. They really think they've gotten a lot better. And, and let's be perfectly blunt here. They better be better because the last two years, they've, it's not. I don't really feel like they've been that bad up front. They just haven't produced up front. Like I didn't mind their roster at times, Austin, but they didn't get it done. And now whether that was the second level uh, or it was all the guys up front or they just didn't have enough depth, whatever it might be, Uh, A lot of people put on a guy like Dave and Brian. They did not get it done against the run. This defense is going to get it done against the run. It looks like so much confidence that Urban Meyer is already putting expectations on him and saying we'll be one of the top eight teams, basically, in the NFL up front. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, this past couple of seasons with, with this defense struggling like it has been, and we've been very adamant about the secondary, the play of the defensive line, I mean, it's been everywhere. And it comes down to, once again, complimentary football on your defense. If you don't have a legit defensive line that can stop the run or get after the quarterback, that affects the secondary. It goes hand in hand. So the fact that Urban Meyer has now addressed, and the coaching staff has now addressed the defensive line, 
added pieces, added cogs. Well, when you add those that, that many cogs to a machine, it's going to start running a little smoother now. Now that you have this defensive line able to stop the run and hopefully get after the quarterback, that takes the weight off the secondary a little bit. Now those guys get home to the quarterback quicker, it helps the secondary out. It all goes hand in hand. It makes the linebackers' jobs easier. And I think what you saw the last couple of seasons, especially the last two seasons, is the fact that the defensive line could not stop the run, even though they tried to address it, and that was supposed to be a staple of this defense. They couldn't get the job done. It hurt the secondary. It hurt everybody. If you can play complementary football on both sides of the ball, you got a chance to win. Adding this many defensive linemen right now, it gives you the opportunity. I'm not going to say they're there yet, but it gives you the opportunity to play complementary football, and that's what you want for your secondary right now. Yeah, let's uh, hey, bounce around the league with me for a moment here real quick. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster signs a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a little yeah. surprising. Huh? One-year deal. We talk about this wide receiver market all all week. My gosh, now I look at that deal and I'm like, wait a minute now, Jags, uh, maybe like two years, you know, $17 million. Uh, that would have felt pretty good to get Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, could, could a team have gotten a bargain deal? Now, there are some reports that the Raiders and uh, somebody else get offered more money, but he ends up going back to Pittsburgh. What a weird market for the receivers in general, but Juju Smith-Schuster especially. Well, wasn't it the, the did you say the, the Raiders or the Ravens? Say that again. Did you say the Raiders or the Ravens? It was the Ravens, right? Is that what they said? It was the Ravens? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it might have been both, though. There okay. were two teams, so yeah, it might well, have been the Raiders and I know Ravens. The, I know the Buffalo Ravens offered him a lot more money, they said. Um, they didn't say exactly how much it was, but it was a lot more to have a one-year deal, I believe, in Baltimore, and Smith-Schuster turned him down. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is a situation here where you have a young guy um, who's maybe still trying to find his way a little bit in the NFL. I mean, he, he's shown that he has talent. But I think this is a situation where he's going where he feels comfortable, and that's okay. If you're comfortable in that locker room in, in Pittsburgh, uh, in that environment, and kind of that culture that Mike Tomlin brings to the table, then so be it. Uh, but he definitely did take a pay discount. He definitely showed a little loyalty here by staying in Pittsburgh. And keep in mind, Pittsburgh's got a pretty deep wide receiver room, right? We we saw the emergence of Claypool last year. We got uh, Deontay Johnson, um, you know, is kind of that, that solid one receiver. So, you know, Smith Schuster's going to get in where he fits in, but he had opportunities to go to Baltimore to be the featured wide receiver. He opted not to and taking a pay discount. I think with him it's just more of where he feels comfortable, and obviously that's back home in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's it's a really that's a peculiar move. I mean, think about this. I'm almost now happy for Allen Robinson. Not so much that he doesn't have a quarterback, but then he got franchise tagged. I'm pretty sure the franchise tag's like 18 mil. So A. Rob gets 18 million. I'm not sure what he would have got on this open market with wide receivers. It, it just doesn't. Galladay still isn't signed anywhere, right? I'm sorry, Galladay. Uh, no, he hasn't signed yet. I know there's obviously interest. I think the Ravens are looking at him as well, but he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Okay, so you got Junior Smith-Schuster's going back on a very moderate deal. Marvin Jones gets a, you know, he's 31, so he signs with the Jags. Chris Godwin stays put. Allen Robinson franchise, of course, stays put. And you've got, so Galladay is one of the top receivers out there, and we're a Friday here of free agency, which is really now almost a week old because it started on Monday at noon, and he doesn't have a home yet. And he's sitting here taking visits. Uh, and, and, you know, guys can do that. that. That might end up in a better situation. I'm just so surprised at the wide receiver market. And Juju Smith-Schuster, at his age, with his production, to go back on just a one-year deal to Pittsburgh for pretty minimal dollars, uh, I, I kind of 
I feel good for A-Rod now. He kind of got a payday and has a chance to get another payday next year, maybe yeah. when the market's a little bit better, because well, the market just is not good. We've been saying it all week, but the market's not great for wide receivers. It's not great, but at the same time, the you know, by far the best two receivers in Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson, they both got franchise take. Yeah. So it, it's hard to reset the market when the top two guys get franchise take. I think Smith Schuster was a guy who maybe was intriguing, but you didn't hear a lot of you know people clamoring and hammering the table for Smith Schuster. You wanted Godwin or you wanted Allen Robinson. I think Galladay is also maybe a step above um, Smith Schuster as well. But no, like, I mean. Yeah, as far as the market right now, there really is no market for the free agent wide receiver because, once again, Smith-Schuster decided to take a, a a discount. And it goes to show you, sometimes it's not always about the money, obviously. It's about the situation. Now, the situation in Pittsburgh of why Smith-Schuster would choose that, we, we, we may never know that, but he feels comfortable there. So more power to him for that. Smith-Schuster is interesting here because it, it feels a little bit like the guy who goes back to college to improve his stock. He's like a second-round guy coming out his junior year, or and he goes back for a senior year because he wants to be a top-15 pick. Yeah, That's what this feels like. It feels like Smith-Schuster wasn't in that upper echelon category of wide receivers. Already the wide receiver market is a little goofy. And so he goes back where a place he's comfortable, big bet, he can win, he can, he can hopefully have a big year, and he comes out next year and maybe gets the big money, the better money. He's still a young guy. So he kind of feels like that where he chooses to kind of come back to school and yeah. improve his stock. No, I mean, I see what you're saying there, but at the same time, he's coming back with a wide receiver room with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and James Washington. So, like, if I was Smith-Schuster and I was concerned about the money, I go to Baltimore on a maybe a one-year deal, and I just say, all right, I'm, I'm the number one receiver now. I get Lamar Jackson, maybe not the best pass in the NFL, but still a very dynamic and explosive offense, and I become the man there. I mean, we're talking about a team in the Baltimore Ravens that was trying to rely on Des Bryant to be a receiver there. Right, so yeah. I, I mean, if you're worried about the money and you're worried about that second contract, you gotta go to Baltimore, man. Just because, once again, that wide receiver room in Pittsburgh is so crowded. With all due respect, receivers are a dime a dozen. There's so many in the draft that are coming out that it's lowering the price, I think, for these free agents and really changing the market. Uh, even though they've had tremendous production and and really good resumes. Hey, let's get to Matt down in St. Augustine. He joins us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hope you've been to the Moe's Breakfast, by the way, down there in St. Augustine, Matt. I've been thinking about it. (laughs) What's up, man? Hey, hey guys. As we're talking about uh, making Jacksonville a more attractive spot for free agents, um, I was listening to some of the national guys this morning, and Dan Graziano referred to the Jaguars as the London Jaguars again and again. So I still think that there's this perception that we're tied to London so much that it kind of maybe keeps free agents from wanting to come here with this up-in-the-air possibility. Do the Jags front office and ShotCon have to do a better job of maybe distancing themselves from this London move? Matt, that's a good question, man. I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, and and let's, let's address it quick. I was going to go to break, but let's do it right now. I, I saw I saw a clip that said that I did not see the full context of Graziano this morning, and basically I think what they were doing is predicting like down the road Super Bowl champs, and uh, he predicted the Jaguars with London Jaguars. Yeah, I uh, listen. I don't know if he was kidding. Uh, I don't know if he continues to, to kind of be goofy on that front, but I don't know how many times we have to say that or this around here. The Jaguars are not going to London. 
if you wanted to tell me that in five years the Jaguars are moved out of Jacksonville, which I don't even believe is going to happen or not even a trend toward happening, uh, you, you know me, I don't even buy into that. But if you wanted to tell me they were somewhere else, I wouldn't even put London at the top of the list. Okay, so that's why the London stuff's dumb. I, I would think I would name two or three other cities before I name London as being the next place they go. Uh, so that's the way I feel about the Jags someday moving to London. Do the Jags need to come out and say that? I don't know, Austin. I think there is going there are going to be some big time actions made here in the next few months that are going to say another time. Why would we invest these kind of money, this kind of money in Jacksonville, if we were ever getting out of Jacksonville? And that's going to be with this facility, Austin. Shot Khan's going to probably spend north of $100 million on a facility with his own money. Why would he do that for like three, four, five, six years to someday move the team out? No, they're definitely not going to move out. Like, Let's just put that to bed right now. I'm not sure what the context of Dan Graziano was, but obviously that's not going to happen. But I think it raises an interesting question about if you were to play two games over in London, um, would that affect things a little bit? What, does that um, take away, I guess, some of the seriousness of the Jacksonville Jaguars? And I think it does. Because we've talked about this before. I think when you have, and I'm not saying they're going to have this because we don't know yet, but I'm saying if you have two home games in London, um, I think that makes it harder to bring guys in. I think, you know, veterans, free agents with families, uh, they don't want to stay, you know, stay an extended period of time in London during the season. I think they want to have a home base and that's it. I think from a competitive advantage, having two games in London, it hurts you as well. So it, it, it puts you behind the eight ball in trying to go to the playoffs and trying to win a Super Bowl. So I think when we talk about in the realm of, well, two London games or, or I'm not going to say three London games, like two London games, I think that is a disadvantage. Now, I get the other side of it and the profits and the money that you make, and that's important for a business as well. But I think that when you're trying to establish that culture and build something, I think two London games does hurt. Yeah, I I, I get it. Listen, um, I think the Jaguars have said multiple occasions, we're not going anywhere, we're not going anywhere, we're not going anywhere. I think the recent development a lot, Jay, there was a lot of conversation about what they have to do to be an NFL city. We've heard the politicians say that. That brings the conversation back to the forefront again. I do think the stadium will be the, the, the kind of the tipping point of where this organization is. And when that happens, whether that's in the next few years, the next five years, the next seven or eight years, that, like every other city, is a big deal. It's an important piece of the pie. The Jags are trending in a direction where they've already laid the foundation for that. I think uh, the city already knows that's coming at some point. The city knows what it's going to take to appease the Jaguars, appease the NFL, and they're going to have to move toward that. There's going to be a lot that happens in between now and then. But again, Urban Meyer and Shad Khan are going to move forward on a big-time facility in Jacksonville. <laughs> you don't build $100 million structures and pay for it yourself without even any kind of city money, which is what I think it will cost. And then pick up and go somewhere in a few years. It's it's just, uh, it continues to be silly rhetoric in, in my opinion. It's easy. It's kind of lazy. Uh, sometimes it's a punchline thing. I, I hate going there. I understand the conversation. Matt, I appreciate you bringing it up, but it's not happening. And I'll say what I just said a few minutes ago. If you told me in six, seven years the Jaguars are not in Jacksonville, I'll put two or three other cities in line before London, England. I'll do it. And, and, I'll, and I'll wager with you. And I'm moving to London. I don't think any franchises, but especially the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going to London. And they're not moving from Jacksonville, by the way. 
I mean, I got a Ruth's Chris steak dinner bet on the fact they get the NFL draft someday. Who knows what I'd bet you to say they're never going to get out of Jacksonville over the next decade, 15, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it might be. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, that was awful. I don't agree with it, but no one asked my opinion. You know, I guess the old days you could bring them in and, and meet them, have dinner with them, and you find out the football intellect, find out the character, find out that. So we had to do thing you don't, I found out, is call someone who has a skin in the game because they're going to quite be, I don't, I don't see honest isn't their appropriate word. but So we did a deep dive. Every guy that we signed, you know, we did. You know, I have uh, Ryan Stamper, Marcus Pollard. I call those guys our assessment guys. They did as much deep dive as we could. The ones like uh, Malcolm that Charlie Strong recruited and knew, we were good. Roy Roberts, you know, we, we did a deep dive into him, and it came back extremely positive. So that was, to answer your question, that was awful. That I don't believe it should be that way. Not when you're making organizational decisions. I'm not sure how that rule came about, but that's to me, that's not good business. That's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Urban Meyer does not like this free agency stuff where you just throw money at people and sign them and bring them in without meeting them, without vetting them enough, uh, knowing enough. And so he really used the connections and some deep dives, some investigative work to figure out uh, who he thought would fit. And that's a chance you take now at free agency, much like the draft. You can only do so much work even in the draft, but the draft you can at least do a good amount of work, like months and months and months, and it goes even back sometimes 18 months on some guys. But it's still a crapshoot at the end of the day, and uh, so is free agency, maybe even more so. But Urban Meyer relying on some of the ties that he's had uh, with assistant coaches and personnel over the years. Let's get you caught up on your bracket. How's the bracket looking so far? Whoa, look out, Ohio State. Oral Roberts at halftime leading the Buckeyes 36-33. Ohio State, a team many people think can make a run to win the national title, right now having trouble getting out of the first round. Hartford and Baylor just tipped off. Florida beats Virginia Tech to open the whole thing. It was a dandy in overtime, 75-70 for the Gators. Big win for them. They'll move on to take on the Oral Roberts, Ohio State winner. Arkansas over Colgate, Illinois, routes Drexel, and Texas Tech beats Utah State. You got anything exciting, Austin Lane, in your bracket here in the early goings? I had Utah State beating Texas Tech 11 over 6, so that didn't work out. What you got? No, nothing exciting so far. Your chalk um, guy? Uh, I mean... Not right, not right now I am, I guess, yeah. Like, I got Ohio State going to the Elite Eight, so I'm going to need them to step their game up a little bit. I'm a little nervous with that one. But, no, so far so good. Uh, all my teams have won so far. It's crazy, though, because I was watching the Illinois-Drexel game because I have Illinois winning the whole thing, so I had to do a little scouting, make sure that I made the right decision. And you want to talk about one of the sloppiest first six minutes of all of college basketball that was it against drexel and then of course you know like if you go on twitter it's all oh, this is the team that's supposed to win it you know and everyone's starting to freak out and then all of a sudden illinois reminds you why they're illinois and that's the way it usually goes sometimes as yeah. teams come out a little you know rusty it takes time to get back in that groove of things and you know wear some of that adrenaline off and then you're good to go so yeah so far so good for me I always tell this story i've covered uh university at albany they were a 16 seed and they played uconn uh, way back, it was in Philadelphia, now I forget what year. But they were winning for like 30, uh, 28 minutes of the game. I mean, so much so, the six, they almost, people thought they might be the 16 to beat the one. Yeah. And, and so, like, everybody's TV in the country had turned to the game. And I'm not, I'm telling you, man, they were, not only were they beating them, they were beating them by a dozen with like 12 minutes to go in the game. They ended up losing, I think, by 13. 
Sure. You just run out of gas. You know, and I think uh, that happened today with Colgate and Arkansas as well. Arkansas was down by like 10, and then they just blitzed them. Yeah. You know, so it's just you can only hold those teams down. I mean, the teams that are able to do it, it's pretty heady stuff because it's really tough to do it for 40 minutes. There's some good games tonight. I'm looking yeah. forward to your Badgers, by the way, against North Carolina. That could be a good one. Liberty-Oklahoma State, I think, is going to be a really good game, too. For sure. And with all due respect to Wisconsin, in my real bracket, I actually have Wisconsin getting beat the first round. I, I think UNC is going to go deep in this tournament. Um, I think they're playing the right kind of basketball at the right time right now. And also, we got college wrestling going on right now in the NCAA championships as well. So there's so much going on in my computer screen right now. It's insane. College wrestling? Are you, like, locked in? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, there, there was a really huge controversy last night where essentially a kid's season got ended because they didn't start the clock. It was, really? it was a horrible scene last night, yeah. Is Iowa still, like, unbelievable in wrestling? Uh, they're up there. I think they won the Big Tens, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're, uh, they're really good. But usually right. it's Iowa, Penn State, Penn something State, along those yeah. lines. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What Urban Meyer had to say about Gardner Minshew today, should we read into it? We discuss it on ESPN 690. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.